Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. With me and turn to the book of Acts chapter number 15. Acts chapter 15. Amen. We'll finish up. Acts chapter 15 here tonight, amen, and possibly next week, move on to 16, amen. This has already turned into the longest series I've ever been in because I'm on part 35. Revelation was 34, so I'm beating it already, Uh, but it only had 21 chapters, and this has 28, amen. Acts chapter number 15, I'm going to begin reading with verse number 22. I'm going to read a little bit of a lengthy passage. If you get tired in the process, you can sit down. Amen. You ain't going to hurt my feelings one bit. Amen. By doing that, if you need need to. Amen. Psalms 15 and verse number 22. The Bible says, Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabbas and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. And this is the letter that they wrote. The apostles and elders and brethren send greetings unto the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Sicilia. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your soul, saying, You must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, which we have all, James has already given account of earlier, that ye abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication, from which if you keep yourselves, ye shall do well, fare ye well. So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch. When they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. And after they had tarried there a space, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also with many others also we're going to kind of sew up this chapter tonight the overarching uh, concept and idea really of this chapter is my subject matter tonight and that is doctrinal and personal disagreements because that's basically what takes place in this matter there are there are mainly mainly two disagreements that take place the majority of the chapter uh, focuses upon the doctrinal disagreement for the most part 
And then the other is one that we'll get to here a little later tonight, which was a personal disagreement about whether or not John Mark should go on the second missionary journey. But there are vast differences in how you handle doctrinal disagreements and personal disagreements. All right? We have good background and stance concerning our doctrine. You don't compromise it. But whenever it comes to perf personal disagreements, well, we'll see, won't we? Amen. Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight. Thankful, Lord Jesus, for your mercy and your grace. God, I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, for you. God, you are, Lord Jesus, our rock. You are our anchor and our strength. God, I put my confidence, Lord Jesus, it's placed in you. I pray, oh God, help me, Lord, to say something that will help somebody, Lord, in the church overall in this place. God, we'll thank you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. 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 You may be seated. I'm going to do a little bit of reviewing tonight. Amen. Just a little bit. Amen. To get into this. What the, the, the scripture said in verses 22 onward that I read to you tonight happened after James has stood up and spoke that we looked at last week. Remember, after James gets done speaking here, verse 22 seems to indicate to us that this whole matter, circumcision, no circumcision, this idea of what is required to the Gentiles in order to keep their worship system pure and devoted to God, this whole matter now seems very good to the apostles that are gathered, to the elders that are gathered. Basically, it says, basically the whole church, the whole church is, is happy about the settling of this matter. And we, again, we got to lean on the fact that the man who just got done speaking was what I call, some call him the leader, I call him the pastor of the first church of Jerusalem. Uh, James was. He's a reputable leader among them. He's, he's as I said oh, last week, he's old camel knees, you know, because of the many consistent and lengthy prayers that uh, history and historians say that he did upon his knees. So they have a lot of respect for James. And according to this chapter, according to Peter, Peter has declared was very good at making his case and declaring that the Gentiles did not need to be physically circumcised. Remember, he makes it very clear they do not need to be physically circumcised in order to receive the Holy Ghost or to be deemed as Christians. And so Peter has that side of it and James follows him up with bringing a little bit of sense to the disagreement and telling them that the very salvation experience that happened to the Gentiles was prophesied by Amos, just like the salvation that came to the Jews was prophesied by Joel. And in their letter, in their letter that they are writing and sending back to the church at Antioch, remember we have a church at Jerusalem that is majority Jewish. We have a church then at Antioch that by and large mostly is Gentile. Amen. So as they're sending their letter concerning the findings of this matter, the solution to this matter, they write in there verse number 28, Amen. Something in particular that I always love every time I read it. And that is verse 28. As they write, they say, for it seemed good. Our decision, our conclusion of this whole matter. It seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. It's good to the Holy Ghost and it's good to us. Folks, that's what I would like to call a spirit-inspired decision. That's a spirit inspired decision when it's good to the Holy Ghost and it's good to you. As a matter of fact, that's very similar 
to what happened to Paul and Barnabas when they were first sent out from the church at Antioch anyway. Because the Bible tells us, I think it's chapter 13, if you go back and see whenever they were sent out on missionary journey anyway from the church of Antioch, the Bible says that the men, the elders of that, that church, they sent them away. And then the very next verse, it says the Holy Ghost sent them. Again, it's not a contradiction. Not a contradiction. Well, did they mean to say Holy Ghost first or did they mean to say the men second? It's not a contradiction. It's mean that there was an agreement. There was an agreement of the men with the spirit of the Holy Ghost that they had that these boys need to be sent away for work. It was a spirit, a spirit-inspired. We need more spirit-inspired decisions. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a, uh, whenever we look back in Acts 15, it wasn't a group of men that were getting together with their pencils and papers and knocking off and saying, hey, what do you think? Hey, what do you think, you know, concerning this matter? And they made a decision just among a group of men. And then they said, God, now you bless our decision. That's not the way it took place. What we had here was a group of men that were being sensitive. Sensitive to the Holy Ghost, sensitive to the Spirit of God that they had. Not just sensitive to the Spirit, but also being knowledgeable enough of God's Word. I mean, James grabs Amos. When's the last time you read the book of Amos? He had to be knowledgeable of God's Word, so he wasn't just sensitive to the Holy Ghost, but he also made himself acquainted and knowledgeable of God's Word to make a decision... That harmonizes with God's will, God's intent, God's purpose to have a spirit-inspired decision. And let me tell you, spirit-inspired decisions don't come about any other way still today but that you be sensitive to the Holy Ghost and you also take knowledge of God's Word. And when you pair God's Word with God's Spirit, you'll come up with a spirit-inspired decision. Amen. And so we need those type of things. And that's the type of decision that they made in Acts chapter 15. And those four things that they laid upon them are the four things that James brought. The four things that they laid upon the Gentile. He said, look in verse 28. He said, we deem these no greater burden than these necessary. I say necessary. These necessary things. These things were not superficial. They were necessary. Amen. When you start reading like, fornication and not giving themselves to idols and then you read like don't eat things strangled or things given to blood those two things seem kind of ceremonial amen whenever you see them but in reality as we studied last week we realize all of that although four things related to the gentiles old way of worship their old way worship, even down to the fornication. Remember the temple priestess all the way down? It all considered their worship. And so they were necessary, amen, as they're writing these letters, necessary that they keep these because what did we learned last week? A person cannot maintain being filled with the Spirit of God and worship gods of another spirit. Cannot happen. Salvation, as I stated, I'll, I'll ram it in our foreheads, is intrinsically tied to our worship. What you become intimate with is what you will worship. Amen. And so Peter, through his, his, his words in Acts 15, he doctrinally solidified that the Holy Ghost was by grace, not by works, and I'm not wanting anybody to be confused with works being our obedience to the gospel because, again, it wouldn't work if he didn't work. 
I know this is repetitive, but we learn by reputation. Amen. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this. We can go to it. First, first Corinthians 15. Amen. First Corinthians 15. I like this little uh, passage of scripture. It starts out in the beginning of first Corinthians 15, talking about the gospel, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and him appearing to several. And then it comes to verse 13, because people were bickering back and forth about whether or not there was a resurrection of the dead or if Christ even resurrected for that matter. People were in this discussion. And he says in verse 13, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. And your faith is also vain. He says, yea, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ. Whom, they were all saying, he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. If there is no resurrection, then, then this is, didn't happen. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. Verse 17, I like though. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your sins. If Christ did not rise from the dead, then we are all still sinners without hope, without translation, without change on rapture day. If he didn't raise, then we're still in our sins. Here's the other thing that's below all of this. If he did not rise from the dead, all of the repentant in the world would have been in vain. He did not rise from the dead. Every baptism in Jesus' name and immersion would be in vain. Amen. If he didn't get up, amen, it'd all be in vain. But because he did get up, amen, he enables us to get up. And our repentance means something. Our baptism means something. And the infilling of the Holy Ghost means something. And I can be saved by grace through faith and my obedience to the God. Because of his work so that's great so peter solidifies the doctrine side of that there's a disagreement with it but he settles it he james does by the word and by the spirit by the word and by the spirit that was not something to be compromised god's word although people say what they will today i don't care what they say i'm going with the lord his word is absolute truth I know we don't deal in a world of absolutes anymore, but let me tell you, this word is still absolute truth, and it's relevant for me today, the life that I'm living right now. Okay? And so that's what, that's what Peter went back to, he, and that's what, rather, James went back to, this absolute truth of God's word. He went back to Amos and the Spirit, and they, they, they formed a party, the Spirit and the Word. Amen. It gave confirmation to what was right and what was not right. It, it, would have, it should have never went down if they got together and said, you know what, I think you are. Why don't we give them an either or? They could be circumcised. See, that's what we're into today. If you, if you want circumcision to save you, you can do it. If you don't want to, you don't have to worry about it. Or if you want circumcision and you also want to follow the gospel, that's okay too. That's what we're into today. This either or stuff. People get in the water now and they don't tell them how the Bible says for them to be baptized. They ask them, how do you want to be baptized? 
That's not how you take, that's not how you take care of disagreement concerning doctrine. Doctrine has a voice. God's word has a voice. And we stay with the word of the Lord. Now, James, James, though, he goes on. He, I mean, there's a book in here that bears his name, James. Uh, it's a very practical book. If you read the book of James, we've done a series on the book of James. And so James goes on, amen, and tells them after Peter here, James goes on and tells them how to successfully live their Christian life, how the Gentiles could go on and successfully live a Christian life. And number one on the list, right from the go, was they're going to have to shift their paradigm of worship, of how they used to worship. So the Gentiles, undoubtedly, they're saved by repentance, by being baptized in Jesus' name and immersion, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues. So they started with this journey. They started by, by freshly pledging, if you will, their lives and their allegiance to God, though, through their worship. The way that they worship the Lord. Amen. And so those were, if you will, the expectations for a newborn babe in Christ. You obey the gospel and you're going to have to shift your worship system. Because you can't, sir, you, you, we, I don't think we have to go over that again. You, you, you can't do that and still be given honor to him. Okay. So you, 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 you can. It's like trying to have, it's trying to go two separate directions at the same time and you're just one person. You can't do that. However, however, as time went on, as time would march on even in Scripture, there would be other things outside of their worship that would be required of them, the Gentiles and the Jews for that matter, as they continue to mature and as they continue to grow in the Lord. We read the book of Acts. We have all these outpoints of salvation. And then whenever we read Romans on, the other epistles, Romans on is writing to churches or to individuals. Acts, we tell people, you want to know how to get saved? Go to the book of Acts. Now, you see touchings of that in the epistles, but it's speaking to people who are already saved. All right? So when we go Romans on, we look at the epistles and those that are written, the, the, the Pauline epistles and the pastoral epistles. And when we look at all these other epistles written to either a person or to a church, it's telling us how to maintain our salvation. And just to let you know, there's a whole lot more of those than there is the book of Acts. And I'm just putting the major where the major is and the minor where the minor is. I'm not saying it's unimportant to be saved. I'm just telling you, it was a whole lot more difficult. It took a whole lot more writing to keep people saved than it was to get them there. And so, and the reason being, this is part and parcel of the reason. So, everybody that comes to the Lord to get salvation, that is one bell sweeping thing that needs to be done. Now, as we grow in Christ, we are at different levels and different positions and different maturities. That necessitate different degrees of responsibility and obligation at those stages in our life. So there's going to be other things for the Gentiles and Jews as they mature in the Lord, as they grow in the Lord, that's going to be required of them at these different stages of maturity. Because uh, in essence, to expect more of those born-again Christians, and listen to me, watch me, to expect more of these born-again Christians later Whenever they've grown a little bit, matured a little bit, we cannot say, and if people want to try to use, well, that's double standard for a church. No. Because of a newborn Christian, the Bible expects the same thing of every one of them. 
It's not a double standard as they grow and mature than to expect a little bit more. That's not a double standard. That's a different standard. No, that's a different standard because you expect one thing from a child and you expect something else from a toddler. You expect something else from an adolescent. You expect something else from an adult because I expect my kid at the age it is to make its bed and I didn't expect it to make its bed whenever it was lying on its mother's lap and couldn't even walk. That's not me having a double standard. That's me having a different standard, a standard that is applicable for the stage of maturity that it was at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Someone say amen. And so uh, we're, we're, we're just a double standard would be expecting certain things of people that are born again, right? Whenever they're born and then something else of another group of people that was just born again. You understand? Two different venues for the same born again, new baby in Christ Christian. That would be a double standard. But to expect something more of somebody with, 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 with more maturity as grown in the Lord. Let me say it like this. To expect something more of more. What's the Bible say? To whom much is, much is. To expect more of someone that's been given more revelation. Of truth of the word. To expect, because see, I'm sitting up here, and, and you don't maybe realize or not, but every time you show up for Wednesday Bible study, and I'm going deep through these books of the Bible, you know what I'm doing? I'm giving you more, which in heaven's eyes, you're being required more, because there's understanding and knowledge being imparted to you that you didn't have prior to tonight, and you're going to be held accountable now. You won't be able to say, well, I didn't know, Pastor Nate. Oh, yeah, you showed up once the Bible said we went through Revelation and Daniel and we went through Nehemiah and we went through James and we Ephesians, Ten Commandments, Beatitudes. These are all the series we've done around here. <laughs> yes, to whom much is given, much is required. And so in the church, there's this constant balancing act of the church. It's got to be a balance, constant balancing act. And that's is we've got to properly handle grace and truth. Properly handle grace and truth. Here's the thing. We cannot live, and I, I emphasize the word live. We cannot live at either end of that spectrum. All right? Can't just, you, there's got to be balance. Jesus showed us the best balance in his own life and ministry of John 1, 14. The Bible says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. This is speaking of Jesus Christ. The glory of as of the only begotten of the Father. So we're talking about Jesus Christ. Everybody say full. Full of grace and truth. Look at verse 16. And of Jesus's, that's Jesus's it's referring to, and of his fullness, that's the grace and truth thing we're talking about, have all we received. And grace for grace, when it speaks about thee, it's talking about those been born again, the water and the spirit, because earlier in chapter number one, it says that to as many as received him, gave he them power to become the sons of God. So that we is speaking about those that are born again of the water of the spirit. We of his fullness have received. We have received of his fullness and grace for grace. Look at 17 for the law. We've been talking about this a lot. Been given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So Jesus was full of grace and truth. 
And by being born again, we have received this fullness of His, this grace and this truth. Now, balance isn't this in the life of Christ. It didn't say He had a 50-50 mixture, 50% grace and 50% truth. It said full grace, full truth. Not part grace, part truth, but full grace, full truth at the same time. Oh, that just doesn't make sense, Brother McGee. Well, listen, you start reading some of the words of Jesus Christ, and a lot of it don't make sense. He says, they said this to you, but this is what I say. He, he had an upside-down, backwards world, but you know what? It worked. He did. Amen. And he was full of grace and full of truth. Listen, here's what happens. To go to the spectrum, to go to the end of the spectrum and live over on the grace side is to relay then to people that, hey, don't worry about it. You don't have to be responsible. You don't have to grow up. You don't have to mature. You don't have to worry about living the moral laws or what's known in the New Testament, the law of the Spirit. You don't have to worry about all that. That would be living only in the grace side. You, you don't worry about all that. Bless God, we're just glad you're here. And you've been here for 25 years. We're just glad you're here. But you don't have to grow up. You're a 10-year-old Christian. You don't have to grow up. You don't have to worry about any responsibilities. You don't have to worry about me. No, no, they didn't. That's living over on the grace side. But to live all the way over here on the true side would be killing some of these folks' before they ever got out of the womb. Or shortly thereafter. Born again. We're going to slay you here. Boom, boom, boom. Here's the truth. Here's what you got to do. Right now, who cares how old you are? Balance, though, is found in Jesus. Balance is found in Jesus. I see this balance whenever he dealt with the woman that was caught even in the very act of adultery in John 8. John 8 and verse 11, uh, the, the, the story is this, that uh, this woman was caught in the very act of the adultery. The law of Moses says that such a woman should be stoned to death. That's the way they would have handled that matter in the Old Testament. They should be stoned. But these people that brought her wanted Jesus, asked him, what do you have to say concerning this thing? You know, Master, they was really trying to catch him. This is what was going on. This is really kind of set up to catch him. And so he says, well, you without sin cast the first stone. The Bible says they started to drop their stones from the eldest to the youngest, backed up. Nobody was around. And that woman had been there. And he asked that woman in verse number 11, uh, or verse number 10, really, he said, uh, where are your accusers? And her answer in verse 11 was, she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn thee, full of grace. Go and sin no more, full of truth. That's a good balance. Full of grace, full of truth. That's a balance that we try to strive for. Right here within this church. Now, in order for this settlement or this solution to be accepted, the Jerusalem church knew right away they weren't going to be able to just send Paul and Barnabas back to Antioch because Paul and Barnabas are the ones that came from Antioch. Whenever they had these certain men from Judea come down and say, if you're not circumcised, bless God, you're not saved. And so they knew they couldn't send the same people 
that it came from that mess to begin with. They probably wouldn't hear them or, or would criticize maybe what they had to say. So they sent also some others from the church from Jerusalem. They sent back also Judas and they sent back Silas from the church at Jerusalem. And along with Judas and Silas, they sent letters explaining the finality, if you will, of the discussion or the decision. And so whenever you read verses 23 through verse number 29, that in essence is just the letter. You see the opening words, who it's addressed to, you see at the end of verse 29, their farewell, amen, to whomever they are talking. Now look at though verse number 24 of Acts uh, 15. Whenever they addressed the people, they said, hey, we heard that there's some people that came down and started talking to you uh, and they sub trying to subvert your souls. They're talking to you that you must be circumcised. We just want you to know we didn't send them. <laughs> if they're coming as though they have the authority of the church at Jerusalem, we didn't send them. I wish I could count the times that people went in the authority of me. I have no problem people quote me. Just quote me right. <laughs> oh, God. Just, just, just quote me right. He says, I heard this some around us saying this and that. Said we, 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 we didn't, we didn't give no such commandment. They, they came talking about things they didn't know about. They've not been commended by us, sent by us. We just want you to know that from the go. They don't represent us. Woo. Woo. Yeah. Let me tell you, not everything that walks in shoe leather, although they should, but not everything that walks in shoe leather represents him. Not everything goes to church represents him. <laughs> so I say, man, I tell you what, years ago, this is years ago, back in the evangelism days, uh, there, there, it was coming around time for a, uh, an election, and uh, it, 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 same as this year, it's election year, and so on and so forth, and, and they were considering a, a, new, a new evangelist department director, and uh, someone started talking and saying this and that to the current evangelist department director and saying, we all agreed on this, and this is what this one said. That when someone was trying to represent me. I don't like that. don't like that. So I called the evangelist department director, and I said, brother so-and-so said, I have no problem with you serving the capacity that you do. I said, and nobody's going to speak for me except me. Mm -hmm. I'll represent myself. Amen. I represent myself. Amen. And so, so they said, hey, they, 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 we didn't send them. We didn't commend them. And then, and I don't know, I don't know if later in, in like 1 John, John was talking about this group or not. I have to do some further studying on that. But John spoke about some that went out from among them that were not of them. Yeah. And even, even the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, which we know is right around this time frame, he even spoke of some false brethren that kind of, formed and came up because they were jealous of the Gentiles' liberty or their grace or the salvation that they received. So I don't know if both of these men were dealing with this issue right here of people going trying to represent the church when they weren't empowered and given any authority to represent the church. Amen. Huh. Yeah, on the other hand, years ago too, years ago too, there were someone that at one time had been here in the years was teaching a Bible study. Somebody didn't know beans about God. Teaching a Bible study. And in their Bible study, they went through uh, sanctification lifestyle issues of holiness. That was stupid. 
This is somebody don't know anything about. They're in the womb. It's not because a question was asked, just because they felt like they should be empowered to be a representative of the church, just let them know. You want to speak like that? You come talk to me, see if we give you the authority to do so. Well, I'll rattle my pocket change then. That's the truth. If you have a problem with it. There's a problem with that. I feel like there's a problem with that, what I just said. Is there a problem with that? That kind of goes back to the past three weeks, us talking about, you know, trying to skin a fish before it's caught and all this other stuff. So they, 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 they haven't been commended by us, he says. They're talking about things they don't even know. Verse 30 and 31. So finally, this whole thing is dismissed. And those that were sent went to Antioch. They went with the letters. They shared the letters with those at the Antioch church. And when they were read, verse 31 says, they rejoiced for the consolation. These things were very well received by the Gentile believers. For one, could you imagine somebody else telling them your salvation is no good? When in fact it was. What consolation that would bring to somebody. Number two, number two, not only that. They also evidently didn't have any issue, or at least there's none recorded, with the alteration or altering their worship system. You don't see like they, they, they didn't raise the back hair on their neck. There is at least no recorded record of it that they had any issue with those four things that was deemed necessary or required by abstaining from those four things. They're just happy to be saved. Right. Amen. They're just happy to be saved. Now, look at verse 32. The Bible says... Judas and Silas, they stay there for a little while and they do some things that were established earlier a few chapters back. They're exhorting the brethren with many words and they are confirming them. You remember uh, further back whenever uh, Paul and Barnabas went back and visited some of the places where they almost lost their life. We think, man, that was foolish. You remember the reason why they did that? Because they wanted to confirm the souls. They wanted to exhort them to continue in the faith. They wanted to organize them, remember? And then lastly, they commended them what? To God. They just gave them to God. And so we see that pattern re re resurfacing again. They're confirming and they're exhorting the brethren remember that confirm you remember that word confirm it's something that they lean on or they're propped up it's setting their feet in the right direction remember it's setting their feet in the right the right direction in a resolute direction it's it's back to chapter 13 talking about those folks that were ordained for eternal life that ordained they're being set in the proper and right direction and so here they are again they're doing that again they're saying we know you're a newborn babe in Christ so we're going to set you in the right direction to start your walk Set you in the right direction to start your walk. And so the book of Acts, here's something the book of Acts often does. The book of Acts and the church therein often risked offending insiders in the church for the purpose of reaching the outsiders beyond the church. 
Many times the way in which the church in Acts reached for the outsiders offended the insiders. And the reason being because the insiders really turned out to be just a bunch of pharisaical people. Amen. And so what we got to ask ourselves is this. Who is the church for? Is it for us or is it for them? I comfortably say tonight that I believe it is for both. But again, we can't just live on either end of that spectrum. It all be about us and never for them. Or it all being about them and never for us. There must be balance. The book of Matthew says in Matthew 28, 19, when Jesus was speaking to his disciples uh, before he would depart, he said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name singular of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, which are titles. The name is Jesus Christ. My point is not to get in a Bible study on that. We went through several Bible studies on that in the past years. But for right now, Acts 28, 19, evangelism is verse 19. Evangelism is verse 19, verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, discipleship. Evangelism, reaching out, discipleship, nurturing them along their maturity process. It takes both. It takes evangelism, but it also takes discipleship. We would be totally out in left field if all we did was evangelize and never disciple anybody to grow and mature in the Lord. What we would have is an open front door and an open back door. They come in and get saved, be there for a little while and go out the back door back in the world for a cycle. But hopefully through evangelism, reaching them, amen, bring them in the church, discipling them, hopefully that's helping shut the back door. It takes both. Now look at verse 36. Let me read this last little setting here and we will... Look at it, study it, comment on it, and go home. Verse 36, and some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord. Here he goes again. And see how they do. See, it wasn't enough just to get them saved. They wanted to see what the progress report was on them. How are they matured? You know, you go, whenever you have a newborn baby, you go back at interims of time to make sure they're hitting the marks that they should be hitting at the certain ages they are. Five months, six months, seven months, eight months, nine months. Are they doing this? Is this happening? How's the motor skills? They're checking all that. Because if those things are not on point with the way it should be, there could be something wrong with the baby. And so he says, let's go back to these places we've been and let's see how they do. This is like a spiritual baby progress report. Are they walking yet? You know, have they smiled? <laughs> How's the input output going? <laughs> Amen. And so they monitor all these things. So they want to see how they do. How, how are they responding? How are, how are they applying to the word that has been taught to them? How are they applying to the word that they are reading? Amen. And so they are on the verge right here of going on their second missionary journey. It's going to hit some of the places they've been before, but they're going to go to some other places like Philippi and Thessalonica and Corinth. And that's where we get our book of you know, Philippians and Thessalonica, or Thessalonians and, and, and Corinthians uh, on the second missionary journey. Amen. And, and no doubt. Out, you know, on their first missionary journey, they'd been along the areas of Galatia. And it's good, it's good reason why they would want to go back and check on them. Because Paul, even whenever he wrote the book of Galatians and had been through that area, he says, I'm writing to you because I understand there's some people that have showed up and started talking about another gospel. And he said, there's not another gospel. And so he wanted to go back, not just to see if they were abiding by the word and growing and flourishing, but he wanted to see if anybody was trying to subvert the souls. 
trying to deter them. And so here's the issue, though, of verses 36 through 41. Here's what comes about. So they're ready to go on another trip. And Barnabas looks at, at, at Paul and says, why don't we take John Mark with us? Paul says, do you remember the last time we took John Mark on a missionary trip? The first one? He departed. He jumped ship along the way. He says, particularly in verse 38, he said, went not with them to the work. He didn't go with us to the work. He went along for the trip, and then all of a sudden, he departs, and he leaves, and he went back. But Barnabas, John Mark, is Barnabas's cousin. Amen. He wants to give, typical Barnabas manner, he wants to give John Mark another chance, even though he abandoned them on the last trip. And so that's a typical Barnabas. He wants to give people a second chance. Uh, he, he wants to give them the benefit of the doubt. Even Paul has, had been a subject of Barnabas's. He, he had reached out to, to Paul when nobody else would reach out to him. He had benefited from Barnabas. Amen. And so here they are. They're headed along the same path. All right. They're about ready to head along the same path. Go visit some of the same places they had visited before. But Paul's thinking, I really don't think I want to take John Mark with us. I don't think he should be allowed to come. Because, here's, here's Paul's thinking of this mindset, if he'd done it before, if history is any predictor of the future, if he'd done it before, there's a chance that he might do it again. And so what we have in these last few verses is a personal disagreement. The Bible even talks about that the contention between Paul and Barnabas was a sharp contention. Amen. And this is why these verses are important. Listen, listen to me. These are why these verses are important. Because they prove to us through these verses that disagreement among each other doesn't have to mean disembodiment or, if you will, separation from the body of Christ. Disagreement does not have to mean disembodiment. People can disagree in the church and still function in an overall positive manner for the church and thus each other. Someone once said this. I pinned around down. I don't remember. I should have pinned. I'm usually good about putting who it was. But someone said if God had to depend on perfect people to accomplish his work, he would never get anything done. never get anything done and here's the issue with Paul and Barnabas okay Barnabas wants to take him Paul doesn't want to take him Barnabas wants to give a second chance Paul says I know what he did last time listen folks when it comes down to it it really doesn't matter because as humans what we want to say this is the reason why Barnabas is right and the others one that want to join Paul said this is the reason that Paul's right we want to justify each side why we're right for our purposes tonight, here in the book of Acts 15, the matter is really not who's right or whether if either of them were right. But the purpose of the matter is here is when they parted, when Barnabas and John Mark went their way and Paul and Silas went their way, neither of those two groups quit on the church or quit on God. They had a disagreement, but they weren't disembodied. They didn't throw up their hands and say, well, if they're going to be like that, I'm never going to church again. Well, if they're not going to be like that, then who's God? I'm just going to serve the world. Now, that's a bunch of hogwash. We can disagree in the body and still love the church and still love God. For that matter, choose to love each other. 
about it, folks. Think about it. They had a difference of opinion. I'm sure each could argue their own side quite well. Here's, what, here's, here's an argument that Barnabas could have had concerning John Mark. Paul, a mistake is too little to discard John Mark over. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, Barnabas, that's right. Mistake's too little to discard John Mark over. Paul, on the other hand, could be stating this. Barnabas, we're going back to these new, fresh works. New, fresh churches. They are too impressionable to be affected by a wavering John Mark. Well, that's a pretty good point. Yeah, I, I, yeah that, that, that's a pretty good point. Watch me now. Look at the things that spun off or the benefits that came from Barnabas and Paul departing from one another. Whereas we would have had one ministry team composed of three people, Barnabas, Paul, and John Mark, we now have two ministry teams, Barnabas and John Mark, and Paul and Silas, where we would have had one, now we have two. Secondly, whereas we had had just John Mark, Barnabas and Paul going to these various areas. Now we have two teams that can cover more ground, more places. The Bible says that Barnabas and John Mark went to Cyprus and that Silas and Paul went to Syria and Sicilia and some of these other places in the second, second ministry journey. I already talked to you about Philippi and Thessalonica and Corinth. Because there was two. Secondly, here's the big one. Watch me here because this is vitally, 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 capital V, vitally important. By doing what they did, both the man, John Mark, and the mission was preserved. We went with Paul, we might have suffered the loss of John Mark. But if we went with Barnabas, and John Mark got a wild hair again. That could impress the churches, these young virgin churches that had just been established. But by them doing what they did, the man John Mark was preserved. And these new impressionable churches were preserved as well. Sometimes there's decisions made people might not agree with. But there's a preservation that takes place on two levels that would not otherwise taken place if the decision hadn't been made. See, what we, even considering the man, there's something we've got to consider. Places that people go, churches, cities, towns, whatever, start works, whatever you want to talk about. It's important to consider the purpose of the place that a man is sent to. Because some places that people go are to be built by the men who go there. And other places that men go to are built to build the men that come there. Did you catch what I said? In other words, people are sent to places sometimes for the building of the man, and sometimes it's for the building of the place. 
I know pastors today that pastored more than one church, and some of the places that they went to were not for the building of the place. It was for the building of the man for the next place that God wanted him to build. Oh, that don't make sense. It does. It does. So we got to consider what the purpose of the place is. These young virgin churches weren't at the place for, for building a wavering a wavering, supposed to be established, John Mark. Therefore, the purpose of nurturing and growing some new babes in Christ, the whole work was totally new. But Barnabas, who is an old patriarch of the faith, been around for a time, already been through Paul and got him in good standing and all that, could take a man and invest in him and build him up for the purpose. And evidently, he did a great job because the Bible even tells us, the Apostle Paul, no doubt, he continues to travel. He continues to minister. He continues to build several more places and establish churches. And apparently, Barnabas did well. And John Mark, John Mark was somewhere in the shadows. Amen. He's being built. He's being built by Barnabas. He's being built by the places, evidently, that they went. And the Bible says he became profitable to the ministry, even to Paul. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 9, and I'm, I'm hastening to a close. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 9. Paul, second time that he's imprisoned in Rome, he's writing to Timothy. He says, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. He says, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed into Thessalonica. He said, Crescens to, to Galatia, he's departed there. Titus to Dalmatia, he's, he's departed unto to there. Only Luke, he says, is with me. He says, take Mark. He's speaking about John Mark. He said, take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. The word profitable means he is easily used, useful, meat for use. He is well fitted, Paul's saying, for the ministry now. He's well fitted for serving now. Before, he said, he went not with us to the work, but now he'll work. And you understand me tonight, what that does, that brings great hope for all of us this evening. Because there could be even sitting among us maybe some current John Marks that will not quote unquote, as the scripture says, at work, but personal patience. Holy Ghost conviction may make a worker out of them yet. So what we have in 15 are two disagreements. A doctrinal disagreement, personal disagreement. Doctrinal disagreement, we go to his spirit, we go to the word, and we stay rigid with that. Personal disagreement, there can be some concessions made, compromises made, and if it means going separate ways, so be it. But don't lead God and the church over your petty things. And sometimes the best situation, the best outcome of the deal is departing if you're trying to preserve more than one thing. See, then you don't have to make a choice. We either preserve this or this. No, both still get preserved. And that which wasn't profitable becomes profitable in the end. And the church, in the churches of these various areas, they march on that Paul even established. We see it in the scriptures because of the decision that were made by these two men. They didn't hang their hat on the willow somewhere. Say, bless God, that person in the church hurt me. I'm not trying to be a bearer of bad news, just trying to be real. 
stay around long enough and everybody in here is going to be hurt by the church or somebody in the church one time or another. If you've not yet been hurt by the church or someone in the church, I'm just forecasting for you. It is not prophecy. It's just real life. You will be hurt. Matter of fact, you've probably been hurt by me. If I haven't hurt you yet, you might as well come on, line up, and let me get it over with because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And if you're living in some unicorn rainbow world, you think there's some church out there that it don't happen, you're being lied to in your head. Because across denominations, across sizes, across states, and internationally, it doesn't matter. Listen, I got a lot of good friends all over this world. You know what? People are the same everywhere, and people hurt people, and their feelings get hurt. And they go home with their ruffle, you know, the feathers ruffled. And there's some that say they're going to just quit the church over it. And they're going to join another church and have to quit that one. As long as we're human flesh walking on this world. You know, we do it because, we're, you know, Paul even said in the Psalms, he said, I couldn't believe, you know, one of my own. He said he hurt me. It's because in the church house we think we can take our armor off. You know, we, it should be the safest place in the world. But we're still humanity here. And so it is, it happens, it's like, well, bless God, that shouldn't happen. And it shouldn't, but it does. So we'd be best to put in our mind, there's a possibility I'm going to get hurt. And maybe it won't take us off guard as much if I think, you know what? Zach's probably going to say something sometime that's going to hurt me. I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable. You're probably going to hurt me. I'm trying to think when's the last time that happened. No, I'm just saying, <laughs> you're probably going to hurt me. But I just need to come to terms with that. It's, it's, it's called church life. It's called life. You ever been hurt in the world? Do you say, well, bless God, I'm going to church because the world hurt me. I doubt it when you was a sinner, you said, well, they hurt me in the world. I'm going to the church. No, but we get hurt in the church. Well, we do. We go to the world. You're going to change worlds? You're going to go to Venus now and Uranus, some other planet because the earth hurt you? It's a hefty ticket you're asking for there. They can do it now. You can go to Mars if you want to. <laughs> I don't suggest it. Amen. Let's bow our heads in this place. Father, I come to you here this evening. God, I'm asking, Lord, that you would. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.